episode you're going to hear today is with train muralist James Top, legendary. Um, he was one of the first graffiti artists. And um, as you'll hear, um, even being recognized as an artist later in his life was a uh, sort of a shock to him because um, for the mo- for the most of his uh, creative career, he was thought of as a, a vandal. You know, graffiti wasn't an accepted art form uh, when when he and uh, the Odd Partners crew were uh, running around bombing trains in the 1970s and 80s. So, yeah, um, I met this guy through an Airbnb experience. Um, it's sort of a, a new feature Airbnb has set up with uh, uh, in different cities. Guam is in one of them right now, um, but there's certainly a, a, a vast potential for for awesome Airbnb experiences here on Guam. Um, but it's interesting though that the market has boomed here locally because um, I remember a couple of years ago they had that whole thing where the tourism industry and all the old white dudes that um, control that. Uh, they wanted to regulate Airbnb uh, services here on Guam, um, you know, and it's really just to make a dollar off of the the market, really. Um, even though the whole concept behind things like Airbnb and Uber was to give people with uh, with little to no capital a means of uh, um, participating in these industries, such as uh, um, whether it be transportation services or even uh, accommodations. So it's kind of sick and twisted in a way. But I mean, like, I don't know where the um, I haven't looked at, at the actual law. I don't know where the, the taxes from Airbnb, Airbnb homes are, are going to. Are they actually improving, um, you know, the state of the island? Are they going to like social services or anything or, you know? So, I mean, if that was the case, then, you know, I guess I'd support that. But, you know, if it's just because uh, um, a board of directors or whatever wants to dip their fingers into, you know, the pockets of, you know, the less fortunate, then, you know, that's a big no-no in my book. But whatever, what can I do? So with James Top, we walked around parts of Harlem. Um, we looked at some uh, historical sites in graffiti culture and hip hop culture and history. Um, we we looked at uh, street art murals um, that had gone up around the city, um, and uh, you know it, it was about more than just art, you know or it was about uh social justice about the politics of art the politics of race and um you know the the whole political climate and uh one of the the distinctions um that he made um with in regard to the like what's going on in the states right now with um statues and how you know in the 1970s when when he was running around with his crew uh bombing trains um buildings and stuff like that like what he what he was doing wasn't considered art it was considered it was considered vandalism and um but you know at the same time 
that was how he and other uh, marginalized um, African-Americans, um, African-American children, I should say, because like he mentioned, um, it wasn't older. It wasn't there. It, you would hardly ever see anyone older than like 20 years old. If you were 20 and you were you were writing um, or, you know, uh, doing graffiti, then, you know, they would think you were a cop or something. Most of these guys that were running around uh, doing graffiti were like between the ages of nine and 17. So but anyways, um, so that was how they were expressing themselves. That's how they were writing. Um, and, you know, what they were doing was considered vandalism. It wasn't considered art. Um, it wasn't considered creative, you know, and it wasn't until decades later when it became, um, an internationally accepted form of expression. And even then, like, you know, in, I guess the, the, the dominant perspective is that it, it is still a uh, vandalism if it goes up on, you know, a uh, a high capital building but anyway so the the thing there is like these statues that go up of uh of known racists of uh Ku Klux Klan members of uh slave owners you know these decorate the city of New York um but to to African Americans to uh other non-white peoples um these statues and the people that they um they represent they have um a very what's the word i'm looking for tumultuous they have a very troubling past they have a very troubling history um, one of the ones that we stopped by was right across from a um um a medical college or institution um you know what i'm gonna pause right here and i'm gonna find the name of this dude because it's disgusting all right great that was a short google search away so we stopped at the statue of j marion sims um also known as the father of modern gynecology Ooh. um yeah so this dude Hold on, I'm I'm scrolling down. I'm gonna see if I can find the name of the Oh okay, there you go. Right outside the New York Academy of Medicine. Yeah. So what he did was he was testing he was performing um uh surgery uh and experimentation on uh on slaves on, on black women black and brown women uh, as this article uh, points out this is on the Huffington Post but anyways he was he was performing these uh, these operations um, without anesthesia um, this was in the 1800s J Marion Sims was a gynecologist in the 1800s who purchased black women slaves and used them as guinea pigs for his untested surgical experiments uh, as stated in the article, he repeatedly performed genital surgery on black women without anesthesia because, according to him, black women don't feel pain. Gross. Disgusting. Um, you know, so in, in August of this year, um, women dressed up, uh, black women dressed up in, in these um, these hospital gowns, right? And they uh, they had red paint splattered uh, over their wombs um, in protest, and they gathered outside of uh, the statue of Sims in protest of the statue and everything it represents, uh, because the dominant American ideology is that this guy uh, uh, made remarkable made made a remarkable contribution to society, um, you know, white society. Um, because of his uh, experimentation and because of his uh, whatever breakthroughs he made because of what he was doing. But to uh, non-whites, to African-American women especially, um, this guy was a monster, you know. 
um yeah i mean you you can imagine for yourself i mean if some guy was like cutting around your junk and stuff you know without anesthesia um god and he was doing that because uh he had the perception that that you and other people of your skin color just were were subhuman you didn't have the faculties to feel pain just because you're not white fuck that you wouldn't want a statue of someone like that going up around your neighborhood and um of course harlem is still a predominantly um black black neighborhood and nevertheless there's a statue of this dude who you know tortured your ancestors you know and these aren't you know this wasn't like thousands and thousands of years ago this was just a couple hundred years ago that he was doing this shit it was disgusting so yeah the idea there is that to some this is it's artistic um if it suits the general narrative but to others and especially um the people who are inhabiting this space um this statue is vandalism the statue is ugly it represents an ugly past um and it celebrates racism it celebrates the torture of black women it says celebrates slavery you know so what is art what is vandalism whose purpose does it serve whose narrative does it serve you know those are the things that uh mr top um dabbled around you know in his uh airbnb experience and i was uh i was really keen on the topics that he was discussing during the course of the tour uh but yeah i met um it was really cool it was um it was really it was i that you know in high school i had a um uh fascination with hip-hop culture the four elements as they say graffiti uh djing uh emceeing and uh b-boying breakdancing um so it was really cool for me to finally be able to engage with that and in the mecca of hip-hop really in new york um but yeah so uh i met another cool dude uh, who is featured here in the podcast uh joseph bionici i think is his name he's a uh, maltese he's um uh, teaching in peru so a big shout out to him and before i forget i just want to mention that both james and joe were uh, like really hip to um the idea of independence for guam for guahan um you know i i uh as we were going around in a circle um sort of uh, introducing ourselves before the tour i mentioned that i was there for the united nations um and i told them why i told them that guam has been colonized you know for over 400 years and now currently by the united states and that it's time that we assert you know our self-determination decide for ourselves what our political future is um and uh james top you know he mentioned that um he actually he has a nephew out here uh apparently or a nephew who was here um and was part of the basketball community but i mean so he he knew about guam he knows about guam um and with the whole the whole thing with puerto rico he he stays really really hip to um you know the news you know, in current events and um, especially because of there's such a large uh, uh, Puerto Rican community in New York, um, the things that were going that's going on out there, um, you know, post hurricane and the troubles that they are experiencing, um, getting aid and assistance from the United States, uh, a large part of which is due to their colonial status. So, yeah, they were they were really hip to independence and that was really cool uh both of them just like super woke i couldn't have an i couldn't have asked to be among better company that day so that was awesome anyway uh yeah 
I don't want to go on for too long. Um, like I mentioned last time, this uh, this uh, monologue that goes on before the podcast is still really new to me, and uh, I I I don't know. I think I'll start taking notes from now on, just so I know what to cover for sure. Uh, other than that, it just feels sort of like rambling, you know. And I'm sure I'll, I'll get better at this, and maybe I'll be able to compose uh, more uh, complete thoughts and, um, you know, all of that stuff without any any sort of uh, stimuli, you know, in front of me <laughs> right now. So yeah. Anyway, the, this is uh, the last of the the New York uh, episodes. Um, so yeah. It's time for me to go hunt around for, um, you know, content for the next episode. Uh, uh, there's definitely a lot of people in the periphery that I think are really interesting and would make uh, for excellent guests here on the podcast. And I think what they're doing is especially in line with what Native Perspectives is all about, you know, about, um, you know, enhancing the, the, the livelihood of uh the native community and um you know speaking out against uh oppression and you know calling out injustice when you see it so whatever anyway uh shameless plug you can become a patron of the podcast of the blog uh, by going to patreon.com slash native perspectives um, for as little as a dollar a month, which would probably get you like a stick of gum nowadays because of inflation. Um, for yeah, for a stick of gum each month, you can contribute to the podcast um, and whatever creative projects that uh, we have going on. Uh, there, there's a, a bunch of articles and maybe even a book idea that I have that I'm dancing around. Um, and definitely this podcast, you know that you would be able to assist with and um you know i'm i'm thinking of exclusive content to to offer you guys uh, maybe even like sneak peeks of whatever content i'm dishing out uh, you guys can have a direct impact on that uh through the patreon by becoming exclusive um uh patrons so yeah um i want to leave that out there also feel free to send me an email at contact.nativeperspectives. or at gmail.com or, of course, reach out to me through the Facebook page. Um, let's keep the conversation going. Be part of the conversation. I want to know who you guys are. Um, I want to engage with you guys. And like I mentioned last time, I want to feel like I'm talking to you, you know. And, you know, I've, maybe that would make the, these monologues a little easier is if I, um, you know, if we were engaging in, in some sort of uh, discourse uh, through Facebook or email. So, yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. This is James Top. Okay, yeah. Tuss. Oh, hour before, huh? I just made it on time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I'm made it right on time. Tuss, mic check. Oh, you're in Best Mic check. Yeah, I used to live in Best Style. I used to live on Decatur Street. What where block do you live on? Um, I'm on St. Charles. St. Charles, it's where is that? It's between Lincoln and. Uh... Okay, so you're across Atlantic. Yeah. What's your train station? At um, Franklin Avenue. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah, Franklin yeah. Avenue. It's I used cool. to be on uh, uh, Kingston Troop in Nostrand. So you're on the C line? Um, C, the yes. blue line. Usually I take the four. Okay, wait a minute, wait five. a minute. Okay, you're on the other side. You like. I think you might be more Crown Heights than Best Stuy. Because Best Stuy, you got to be on the A. You have to be on the A and the C line. And you on the 4 and the 5. You take the Franklin Avenue IRT to like the the, the, the 2, 3, yes. 4. Yeah, you're on Crown Heights. Ah, my you're friend not told saying, me it was Best No, I Crown Heights. Heights. You're in Crown I'm Heights. Call her on it. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, right here, I got this nice mic here. Yeah, yeah. My mic sounds nice. Check one. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Will you hear me yet? Oh, yeah. We're, we're good. 
I checked okay. the audio before. No problem. So, all right, we're here. Um, uh, Native Perspectives Podcast. Um, as you guys know, I'm in New York uh, with the Guam delegation. Along the way, though, I decided to, um, you know, really experience New York culture, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's so diverse, you know. Um, and obvi- uh, I've been a fan of uh, the hip-hop culture for a long time. The four elements. Uh, yes, indeed. You know, and... Um, you're, you're, you're immersed in the... Uh the, the first element of hip-hop, which is graffiti. We was up and started before the first MC picked up the mic, before they made the, the first rap record, Rapper's Delight. But you know what? There were other bands, too, that you feel hip-hop was coming. The Fatback Band, I don't know, you up on them. Uh, there was a little bit with Blondie. Uh, you know, her coming in with that little collaboration with Fab Five Freddy. Um, so, you know what? Hip hop was coming. And um, go ahead. Oh, yeah. you so, oh, well, that, that man talking is um, legendary James Top. Yeah. And we just finished an Airbnb experience with him. Yeah. Um, so I'm also joined by our friend Joe. Hey, how are you doing, Guam? <laughs> cool to be here. And then, uh, of course, uh, um, other people join us as well on the Airbnb experience. Uh, friends from Netherlands? Norway. Norway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, we're, we're heading back to... We're going West to Harlem, yeah. yeah. Harlem. We're going to Harlem, we're going to jump on the bus, <laughs> and uh, then we're going to jump on the train. We'll hit 125th Street, which is the, uh, the mecca of black civilization here uh, in the United States. But, of course, I'm here to represent the element of graffiti art. Uh, for those that don't know, my name is James Sop. Uh, I'm a very, very well-known New York City graffiti artist. I got my start in the early 1970s with a crew coming out of Brooklyn called the Art Partners, and we were the only crew in New York City subway painting history to be the kings of every single train line in New York City. Like I say, a feat matched by no other crew. Uh, Today, I'm an art consultant, an educator, a curator, and, of course, an activist for this art form. Um, I am uh, the director of the New York City Graffiti Hall of Fame, located at 106 in Park Avenue, and I'm also a 2017 inductee into the Hip Hop Hall of Fame. Dang, where does it end, man? Hopefully it won't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Um, You know, obviously your your experience... um, you get a you get a five star from me, man. Um, yeah, thank you, man. And uh, not because not only is it um, it's not just about uh, graffiti, like the superficial aspects of graffiti, but yeah. uh, along the way, you also touched on um, things that are really important to me, and uh, the fact that um, writing this is yeah. uh, th- it's a form of writing, it's a form of expression right. for uh, people who don't feel represented, who don't feel mm. uh, like their best interests are um are encouraged to be yeah. talked about or and are being conveyed in the media yeah so can you can you go back to that that the origin of the culture then and the term writer yeah well um you know in in the beginning of uh this this culture um that is called hip-hop we were a, a separate entity because hip-hop did not exist we were all different elements uh, looking to be combined so that we could travel as one culture. Um, in the beginning, we called ourselves writers. We were not called graffiti anything, graffiti artists or any of that. We considered ourselves to be writers. And I, I still call myself a writer. My friends still call themselves writers. I guess for some of the newer um, writers, the word graffiti artist is easily identifiable for them and they feel comfortable with it. I feel comfortable with the word graffiti artist and graffiti writer, but we called ourselves simply writers and, and, and that's what we did. Uh, the first element of style in graffiti. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Um, 
Shadow, oh my God, you know so much, brother. You know so much, man. And and and, and Dondi from East New York, who's a protege of mine, man. Brooklyn, I'm I'm so happy you 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 said that. Yes, indeed, man. There you go. So you know. Oh my God. Who, Aaron? Which one? Aaron or Duro? Sir. Okay. You remember Turbo? Turbo. He was from another line. No, he used to rock the A line. He used to rock the A. Underground, yeah. Okay. Underground. Right. He was in the tunnel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You, you need help, bro, or you good, man? Okay, cool. Go back. I'm going to give this to you. Yeah. Also, all right, so James ran into a couple of friends uh, from the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, he was that's how they got all that, you know, and he was a fag. But no, when you underground with them mark with them with that with that bucking ball, ain't no uh, you know what I'm saying, nigga, your skills is what did you. Right. You, if you had skills, ooh I ain't gotta say nothing else. You know said it all, man. There you go. There you go. And I want to thank you, man, for your, your service to our country, man, because it wasn't for brothers. Well, well, you know what? It wasn't for brothers like you, man. Yeah, no doubt, man. But we all related with this and, and even your contribution to this country, man, because I was a soldier starting out with this. I might be a general now, but I started out as a soldier, too. That's right. That's what they call That's right. That's what it's, it still is. It still is, because I'm a survivor like you're a survivor. And and you know what? Mm, my God, man. No, you ain't cut me off. The only one who was up and straight up and down with no cut was the shadow. He'd be on the side of a building, or you see the beret going back and all in black. Right. And I so seen him throw it up shadow. one. Check this out. He had it cut out in, a, in, a, in a, on a graphic, you know. So he would just sit there on the stencil. Yeah. <laughs> With the 12 gauge like that under the hip. Richard yeah. Hamilton. His real name is Richard Hamilton. I his government. Yeah, that's his government. Is he still alive? Uh, yes, he is. Yo, he should be a... He's the... Uh, uh, He never got caught, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I, 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 I didn't get caught until I got older and popular. And that's why I got old. Back in the days, nobody knew who you was. This is our bus, y'all. So we got to jump on the bus. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Yo, brother. Ooh, ooh. Lock and load. Nice. To the tongue. <laughs> oh, shoot. Now I got I to gotta pull out my pass really quick. He was going to keep us there all day. Yep. <laughs> all right, we're stepping on the bus now. Thank you. See, once you pay to get on the train, the bus is mm -hmm. coming. The train is a transfer. From the bus, you want to hold on yeah. to that for you? I'm okay. I'm okay. okay. So obviously, there, there's still a lot of reverence for the culture. I mean, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of love. A lot of people knowledgeable about it. I, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm a student, yeah. as as well as a teacher. I think when you're a teacher, you always stay in student mode because your learning doesn't stop because they give you a title. Uh, because there's always more information to give out. This information is infinite. Meaning that I, I'm not going to know everything in my lifetime, but I'll try to learn as much as I possibly can about this so that I could pass the information on, uh, you know, to other people. The more information you got, the better teacher you're going to be. So I try to get as much information. But then again, I, I was there when all this was jumping off and when New York City was the only place Please for hip-hop culture. I mean, I was here. I was here. So he said, um, was that Dondi, he said, who had yeah, a 12-gauge yeah, under this? He mentioned Dondi, and, and Dondi 
is, uh, like I said, my protege. I remember him as an upstart writer in East New York. He used to follow me all around, even when I didn't want him to, to, to follow me. Uh, eventually, eventually, he would become a member of the Our Partners crew and uh, pass on, uh, you know, this legacy. And uh, unfortunately, he's not here anymore. But his memory of what he did is everlasting in a lot of people's minds, definitely in my heart and in my mind, because he was taught to be the best from the very best. So, I mean, Joe, you had a question now. Yeah, um, no, I was wondering how it was like transitioning uh, from having, you know, like all these beautiful um, metro um, trains yeah. painted to all of a sudden just going, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. to what we have today. We, we can, you know what, we can get off this bus if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Let's get off. Sorry. Because we can walk to where we got Excuse go. me, sorry. I can see that wasn't going to work out because now there's going to be more and more people on it. And know what? That was a good question, Joe. Let's, uh, let's cross the street. Let's, okay. let's run. Crossing the street. Oh, we're running now. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that, that, was a, that was an excellent question, Joe, um, about my um, more like an evolution than uh, a transformation uh, into um, popular culture. And, and basically, that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about. So I've, I've done all these things uh, in, in graffiti art. You know, I was a pioneer. I used to write on the trains and on the streets and then just bomb the streets. Um, then from there, there's, there was galleries now and doing art presentations. And I had to leave the streets alone because, um, and I got arrested they were talking about trying to give me some time. So I had to make a change that, okay, I did the streets already. Like, I'm famous. And I don't need to go to jail, you know, to, to keep doing it. And, and what I do do now is I'm, I'm more of a, a, a gallery artist now that I... Uh, I need money for my bills and everything, and you know my my expression can be now paid for. Um, labels that I had on me, such as a vandal and a criminal, uh, are, are gone because now my artwork can be seen in, in, in galleries throughout New York City and, and definitely where I live at in Harlem. How do you feel though about not seeing art on trains anymore? Well, that, that, that's, it was kind of tough <laughs> because that was my foundation. And, but it's my foundation. My, my future looks so much brighter than my past, man, um, for the simple fact is now I could reach so many more people, and, 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 and that's a good thing. See, my story is a New York City story about a kid that did not have nothing, not had anything as far as learning expression. So we had to fight for our expression. Um, that part, um, and, and then th th there was a, a change that now graffiti is not on the trains and how do I survive? How do I keep my fame? How do I keep my foundation and, and my authenticity and my credibility in the hood? So I had to also be positive too. I had to now start putting my works in galleries for people to appreciate it, coffee houses, um, lounges, bars, on the internet, as well as teach this art form in the fabric of our educational system. And, and I have been doing that for over 20 years. I first started off as a camp director. Uh, then from there, I started teaching in, in different high schools for nonprofit organizations, community-based youth organizations. And, and, and now I teach in college, and I, I travel the world doing lectures and, and showing my art.
And like I said too, I am an ambassador and an advocate for this art form. Oh, wait, uh, which way are we heading? Um, yeah, back we're to heading this way. way. All right. Yeah, yeah so you, you sort of touched on it, too. Uh, you mentioned that, um, you know, uh, a lot of your artwork now is in a, is in coffee shops. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. The, it's like, um, I think Joe's question was the fact that the art the art moved from being on the trains, yeah. uh, being, a, being a, um, a symbol of uh, rebellion almost for yeah, youngsters, re re right? Re rebellion and... Um, I would say that word vandalism for others. Yeah. Um, I don't know who's doing the vandalism. I mean, I have no idea whatsoever. There, there's people that infiltrated this art form also too, and in, in, in trying to give it a, a bad name. Um, I deal with positivity. I can't control where people want to put their expression. I can control where I want to see my expression is, and I can only be responsible for myself. Uh, I can't be responsible for an entire culture. I can represent myself, and if people choose to hold me in high esteem, well, you know, that's on them. I never went into this to, to be anybody's role model. You know, I went into this to learn how to express myself and, and, and to be an, an artist. So, um, what about, uh, so you mentioned there, there's sort of a, there's a break between um, like street art and graffiti. Yeah. Um, would you say that now like the, the kids uh, growing up here in, in Harlem, are they still looking to graffiti um, as as their mode of expression, or would you say that a uh, street art is sort of uh, is taking over those, those giant uh, murals and uh? Well, uh, um, that's that's a good question. It's not an easy question. You know, first of all, you have to understand this: is that this art form is still not regularly taught in our education system. Yeah. So nobody is teaching these kids graffiti art history, lettering style, um, colorization, all these things that you need to know about graffiti art. It is not in the fabric of our education system. Yeah. That has to stop. So when you ask kids about graffiti art, most of them don't know graffiti art. Most kids don't know the difference between graffiti art and street art that they see there. They know they want to learn how to paint. It looks exciting. But nobody in this hood is teaching kids how to use a spray paint can to express themselves. And I feel that needs to change. And that needs to change now. Yeah, so it's sort of that's that's another thing I wanted to talk about too. Is uh, it seems like you know the government you know has this has this chokehold on what is education, yes. you know the standard of education, and um, you know a lot of times, especially in Guam, uh, people, the brown or so indigenous children are learning um, American uh, the American education system. Right. We're learning about snow. There's no snow on Guam. <laughs> We're learning about squirrels. There's no squirrels on Guam. Uh -huh. So I mean, uh, they're they're taught these things, and they don't feel represented. Um, do you feel like uh, like how how do you think uh, education can be reformed to meet the interests and and the needs of uh, of children, disenfranchised kids who are growing up here in in Harlem? Yeah, exactly. We need to engage our kids into what they want to learn about and what's going to help them learn. Hip-hop culture has proven um, a great learning tool for our, our kids uh, to learn about history, our history, uh, to learn about our ancestors, as well as celebrating in our culture that we actually get into. Um, whether it's the music, whether it is the dance, or whether it is the art form. Um, they are totally being neglected, um, you know, and then not giving them an opportunity to en engage in which is now 
popular culture. Hip hop is no longer an underground culture. It is an underserved culture by our educators and from our government. So we need more of that in our curriculum. You know, there's not a kid out here that is learning how to use a spray paint can in a classroom or in an art studio. That stuff to me, that needs to change. We need to inject this culture into the fabric of our educational system. And Joe, uh, you're you're an educator. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you're you're a teacher in Peru for going on ten years now. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I mean, yeah. Go oh ahead. yeah. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just gonna ask. I mean, like, um, I know you mentioned you you teach at an American school, but uh, are there also other Peruvian uh, kids there as well? Or? Yeah, we. So we mainly have um, our school is split between local kids and international kids. Um, we have. Uh, a good number of American students and basically you know connecting this conversation um, what we're doing is apart from offering the traditional courses which are the IB diploma and the um, American high school we also offer um, what what we named the innovation Academy which is a transdisciplinary um, program and the idea is that we combine subjects like art um, so that kids can work on authentic projects. Um, so for instance, in grade 10 right now, students, they go out in the streets and they find out about problems that plague Lima, and then they use photography in order to convey to a real audience um, to raise awareness about that issue. Um, and as you're saying, you know, m making education relevant to kids, having them uh, express themselves um, using a channel that they feel comfortable with um, is definitely what education should all be about. Awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, all right. Now the, other, the other topic I want to touch on with you, man, is uh, like everyone I've spoken to here in New York, everyone I've met, Gentrification, and I know uh, Joe, you brought it up earlier too. Gentrification is, is a huge issue, and apparently uh, Bushwick is uh, the hotbed for uh, gentrification. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like, do, are there are we are we seeing signs of that in Harlem as well? Bushwick is Bushwick is gentrified. Yeah. It, it is not a hotbed for gentrification. It has been gentrified. It be more like talking about communities in New York, such as maybe Harlem, uh, certain areas in, in, in Brooklyn, uh, like, you know, Bedford-Stuyvesant, Brownsville, and uh, East New York are on the ra radar, such as places like the South Bronx, which were traditionally black and Latino communities. Um, you know, now other people want to move to these communities. And, and they're being priced out of their communities. It was all cool to live there when it was all bombed out. But, uh, you know, this is a new age and time where there's a lot of building in, in New York City. And they're not building enough affordable housing for low-income and middle-income New Yorkers. And uh, we, need, we need more of that. You know, I'm not here to say, well, this person can't live in here or that person can't live in here. Everybody is welcome to live in, in our communities. But we also, as a responsible society, need to make sure that there's housing for everybody. Yeah. And, and, and not because you have money. But the name of this game here is about having money and, and making more money. And uh, that's what's driving people out, greed, more than it has to do with the color of somebody's skin. Um, so, you know, they, they, they flipping that part of the game. Um, you know, what needs to be done is we need more low-income and middle-income housing in, in all our new communities and uh, you know what I know I welcome everybody and I, I don't care what your skin color is you could you could live in my neighborhood um, you know the problem in my neighborhood is that there's no more 
available housing and that basically there's no more building of affordable housing, those, those problems need to be solved. And you know what? You know what just came to mind as you're you're talking about um, you know diversity and acceptance, all these things. Um, the way you, you handled uh, that Australian Australian friend, man. Um, uh -huh. I mean, obviously you have to be a good uh, mediator for for what you do on Airbnb yeah. experiences, man. I mean, like, talk about a guy who uh, who on the surface maybe shares no uh, no common uh, experience with you. Uh -huh. You know, born in 1945. Yeah. Um, white male, Australia, uh, uh, dominant white culture. Um, but you were able to break that ground, man. Can you talk a yeah. little bit about, you know, how, you know, seeing past uh, those, those ideological differences, especially with art? Yeah. And, uh, you know, how do you, how do you mediate that? Well, um, it, it, you know, it, it's something that I um, built up a, a long, long, long years um, for a simple fact is people try to create the differences with the races, there's more differences in the wealth of people than it is with the color of their skin. Um, you, my brother, you could be my brother no matter what your skin color is. Um, it is that basically I don't like the class differences that are going on uh, more than, than anything. And I think once what me and that gentleman have more in common is that we were older, and so you know what? They was pulling this when I was young. Then when I was middle age, and they still pulling out, but then I could see through all of that. You know, um, I can get along with anybody and, and everybody as long as they respect me as a man. And I'm, I'm as just as intelligent and, and as worldly as anybody else out here. Um, you know, I'm not intimidated with that, but there, there is problems in our world that stem from the past, and uh, we need to correct those wrongs because we know that they are wrong, and then we need other people of color to step up and say, well, you know what, what we did back there was wrong, how can now we work together to make this world a better place for all of us to live. You know, being African-American, um, you know, we have been treated like second-class citizens for a long time. Mostly the roots are from slavery. Yeah. And I understand that some of my white counterparts um, want to try to work to make this a better world. They. They wasn't involved with that, but, you know, they, they are benefiting from white privilege. So how do we create, correct things and create a more harmonious world, uh, you know, first of all? And uh, we need them to help us. We can't do this by ourselves. So when we out there protesting, they got to be there with us, too, to know that, you know what? This is where all this bullshit ends at, and, our, and this is where our new beginning starts. Joe, in, in Peru, do you see a lot of like uh, like class struggles, um, or maybe you were, you were mentioning uh, activism? Um, are there other um, points of intersection where uh, like people can can relate on on class issues? No, I think, you know, talking about the class struggle, um, like many South American countries that have been through colonization, you can still see that there's, um, there are residues of that. Um, and if anything, it, it, it's a great lesson on how, how long it, change, it takes to change people's mentality, yeah. the way they approach life, to change an economy that's more inclusive and less extractive. Um, yeah, Peru is one of those countries where it, it just hits you in the face, um, you know, from the moment you arrive there. Um, but at the same time, you also, you also see signs of change, you know. You also see um, more activism, I think, and that, that's one of the great... Um, effects that the internet has had because now 
you can convey that message better and I think people start becoming more aware about how their behavior and sometimes the non-verbal communication can have a big impact. But still, I, I, I think this, the change will be slow, quite frankly, um, in Peru. Sadly, in many ways, in the US, in Europe, you know. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I feel it's a constant struggle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Man, James, I don't want to, I, I'm really, uh, I feel grateful that you're sharing this much time with us, man. Yeah, well, uh, I don't want to hold you back any well, further. I, yeah, I got to jump on that train, but I just like to say, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. And uh, me saying what uh, I'm saying and trying to reach, you know, other people, uh, the reach of masses too is 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 what it's about. Um, no matter what, uh, you know. Um, I got a television show called Graffiti NYC. Uh, it's about the people, places, and events of graffiti art in, in New York City. Every now and then we do like some national, I mean international stuff. And um, it, it's, it's so cool that we could focus on this art form and the evolution of this art form. And I want to thank you for giving me an opportunity to, to, to reach other people that I, I, I may not get an opportunity to reach and I hope that uh, you know what you were trying to do as far as your activism on uh, being an independent uh, nation is, is something that is good because you know basically it is what the masses want and, and what the people want and a lot of stuff is holding you back and uh, we all need to be free free to express ourselves about what we feel is not right without penalty. And, um, you know, there's still a lot of barriers, and I hope that you guys can achieve all the goals that you, you want to, to, to feel free. Appreciate that. World class James Top, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, sir. It was a you pleasure meeting you. Much, and uh, oh, too. Instagram too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, James Top Productions on Instagram. Uh, you can also email me at graffitinyctv at gmail.com. Peace, Guam. We love you. Joe, any, any uh, social media no, um, I'd say, yeah, no, my social media doesn't offer the same thing you can, James. Um, but no, a shout out to Guam. I, I, I look forward to seeing Guam play as a national team in the next World Cup. Just know, hopefully we can join uh, Malta, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, beautiful. Thanks, guys. Yes, sir. Bye.